This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite, hosted by superfan and actual know-it-all Kyle Armstrong on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bite Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. This week, we're happy to be joined in the studio here by Jeff Smith. I've uh, been a long time coming, wanting to get him on here and finally making it happen today. So, uh, so we'll get to him in just a moment. Uh, before that, Brandon Overton added another $30,000 to his checkbook this weekend, winning, winning the Firecracker 100 up at Lernerville Speedway over Chris Madden, Dennis Herb Jr., Daryl Lanigan, and Brandon Shepard. That makes it. That makes his June winning earnings over three hundred and ten thousand dollars. That's pretty impressive for uh, for a few weeks of racing right here. So, pretty impressive uh, stuff for sure. Other than that, this weekend we had uh, we had a uh, Atomic Speedway had the Ironman North Series race. Josh Rice picked up the win there, and then on Saturday night they ran there again, where Rod Conley picked up the win for twelve thousand to win. Summer Nationals has been on a lot of different winners there. Brian Shirley's won a couple. Of course, Nick Hoffman and the Modifieds has won all seven so far. And if it hadn't rained them out a couple of times there, I think he would have won them all so far. So uh, congratulations to Nick Hoffman, friend of the show, and he's been doing pretty good. Uh, this weekend, Lucas Oil Series is back in action. I believe they are at Muskingum County Speedway and others. I don't have it right here in front of me by by mistake here, so... Anyway, look that up at your uh, at your discretion and go see a race this weekend. Of course, the Ultimate Super Late Model Series is going to be in action Friday night at Livonia Speedway and Saturday night at Sonoya Raceway in Georgia. And my guest today, Jeff Smith, will be in action at those two races. So we'll talk more about those coming up this weekend. And, of course, the 4th of July weekend, there's a lot of races everywhere you can go check out. So, uh, so definitely check the schedule and go see where you can go see a race this weekend. After this break, we're gonna join. We're gonna be joined here in studio by Jeff Smith and uh, talk to him a little bit and see where his mind's at today. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. Dirt Cars, Sportsman Modified, and Pro Stock Series kick off an intense week of racing with their 2020 October Fast opening event at the Albany Saratoga Speedway. Tune in on MAV TV July 1st. Check your local listings for channel and time. Want to find out how folks go from humble beginnings in the world to their dream job in motorsports? Tim Pakman sits down every week to get you the inside scoop. It's how I got here. And the latest episode is available now on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, NASCAR Digital Media, and your favorite podcast platforms. Well, before uh, before we uh, went to break there, I told you we had a very special guest here in the studio with us today. And uh, that's no lie. We've got dallas north carolina's jeff smith and jeff's been racing a long time before he got in here we were talking about he's been racing like 37 years now started in 1984 so welcome to the forward bike podcast tonight jeff thanks for having me absolutely man well so you got started in 1984 you said so how, how were some of those humble beginnings getting getting going <laughs> well it uh it wasn't a silver spoon handed to me like people have thought and still think over the years you know, coming from the family I was in with my grandfather and my dad. But uh, the it was, we had a lot of help getting this thing, the first car put together. Um, Doug Sanders actually helped put that car together for me. It was a Rayburn chassis. It was an older chassis. And we put that car together with some old parts sitting around that dad wasn't using anymore. And Grandpa had some old motor parts and threw me something together that would run around the racetrack. And... Uh, that was kind of how the first car got going for me. I started the middle of 84. My mom wouldn't let me race until I'd graduated high school. So 
a couple of weeks after graduation, we was hitting the racetrack for the first time. So how old were you right then? About 18, I guess? 18. So. 18. I've seen some pictures of that early car. I think it had the had the sideboards on it. It was a wedge car. And, I mean, you, you started in those, and, I mean, you were just a kid. And then, of course, you've drove everything since then that hadn't quit. So Yeah. That, that first season, it, uh, it was definitely a learning experience. And uh, the first season was just about my last. We got tangled up in some other people's accident there at Cherokee. And uh i got turned into a wall right there where you went across the track head on pretty much wide open and it drove the motor all the way back into the cockpit and broke both my feet and busted my helmet and my cheekbone and that uh that about took me out right there but we bounced back with it the first race back the next season we built a new car my first race back was the first race i'd ever won really so you came back from that but I, i've seen pictures of that wreck and i didn't know you uh i didn't know you had any injuries from it but man that was a that thing was back to the firewall, wasn't it? It, was, it looked bad. It was. Uh, we had 103-inch uh, wheelbase cars then, and we got to measuring that bent-up thing out there in front of the shop, and I was getting a little better from it, recovering. And it went from a 103-inch wheelbase. It was 72 inches on one side and 73 on the other. <laughs> yeah, it shortened it up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were able to survive that and go on to, to do what you've done all these years because we've enjoyed watching you race for sure. And uh, so you won your next race next year back, and so where was that at, at Cherokee? That was at Cherokee. We got the car put together, and Dad had actually run the car at Volusia County. I think it, back then it was called the Governor's Cup or something. It was an early race in the season, uh, more around New Year's, I think, than Speed Weeks. And then I don't remember if he was waiting on an engine or a car or what, but they always did a few daytime races at Cherokee back then before they went to, you know, the regular season stuff in the dark. And Dad was going to drive my car until then. And uh, that's when Biddy Lynch got sick, the one on being the industrial boilers that Dad drove for. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> and he passed away. So Mom and Dad had gone down to the funeral that Saturday afternoon. So I wound up driving the car. I wasn't even supposed to. And they made it to the track right before the feature started. And, and it was just one of them deals that was meant to be. We... Drew the front row of a heat race and won it, and that put us on the front row of the feature, and we let every lap. So when you say you weren't supposed to be, does that mean that you were going to get in trouble for, for or they knew about it, or you just... No, no. <laughs> the, we, you know, had pretty much laid the plans that Dad was yeah. going to drive the car to the daylight races, and then I would start driving again when we went to the nighttime shows, and, um, you know, with, with Beatty's passing, that kind of changed our plans, so... 10-4, so, so where did you go from there? <clears throat> As far as, you know, your own equipment or whatever, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that was it. I just, you know, raced out of the shop there with Dad and Grandpa, and Dad was, you know, he was on the road a good bit then. Mm -hmm, yeah. So that was, uh, it kind of got where Grandpa was staying home a little more. Not all the time yet, but, you know, a little bit. Um, I had some friends, and my mom's brother, my Uncle Steve, he, they would take me to the racetrack. Um he had a used car lot and ramp truck, and that's how we went to the race, was on his car lot's ramp truck. We'd haul our spare tires and stuff in the back of a pickup truck down there. And uh, we did that for a while and just progressed from there, moving on up, you know, gathering a little more equipment as I could and, you know, picking up a little bit of sponsor help here and there. That's all you really needed, though, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I mean... It, <laughs> you were just going to Gaffney, right? Cherokee. Pretty much. Cherokee, yeah. we'd go there in Metrolina. Uh, we raced at Carolina a little bit. and uh, Tri-County was dirt back then. We went up there a few times and then got to go to Concord a little bit. My dad uh, recalls a time whenever you and you and Freddie both started on the front row of a race back in those days. And 
Who who won that night? And where was that at? Do you remember uh, that? I know we did at Lancaster. That might have been where it was. Um, that's the first time that stands out in my mind that we started on the front row together, but he won that one. <laughs> it was a while before I outran him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, we're skipping way ahead, but then, you know, you did win that Fayetteville race, Lucas Oil race in 2007 and, and he was in the field and, uh, I saw a picture of that the day him stone in victory lane, just you both were smiling ear to ear. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. I definitely wanted him in victory lane with me that night. That was, that was cool to win. win yeah. Lucas race. That's skipping way ahead. So. When, when did you start the J&J &J race cars business? Um, that would have been right at the very end of the year in 1994. 94, okay. Yeah. So J&J, so &J, what does that stand for? Um, that was Jeff and Joey. Okay. Me and Joey Chapman. Uh, drove for the Benson Ford crowd that year, the Lamb family. And at the uh, last Have a Tampa race that year, we ran the Have a Tampa series. Uh, we parted ways, and me and Joey decided we would try to go into business and build a few race cars and see what we could do with it. And then uh, he stayed there with me until I believe it was 01. And then I had it, you know, the rest of the way since then. Yeah, I never knew what that stood, what the other J stood yeah. for until, until yeah. I asked you. So, yeah. so yeah, and you're still uh, obviously staying pretty busy with that today, aren't you? Uh, we still got a little bit, you know, flowing here and there. It's, it's not like it used to be. Um, just do what we got to do to survive. What's your niche on that? Just helping set up customers' cars or... Um, building them from the ground up or selling parts or all of the above? I mean, we do some repairs and build bumpers and door bars and do some sheet metal work, bodies, decks, uh, you know, sell a few parts. Gotcha. So, yeah, you were, so you ran the Have a Tampa series in 94. You talked about that. You were, weren't you the rookie of the year? Yep. So you were the rookie of the year in 94. Yeah, we finished um, third in the points and won the rookie deal. I didn't know you were third in the points. I didn't see that, but rookie of the year and third in the points, that's pretty pretty respectable. What are some of the memories you have from some of those days? Because that was really back when it was the real deal. <laughs> I've slept a lot since then. <laughs> yeah, you're on the road a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of traveling from that point on. You know, some of the stuff runs together, and then you've got some memories that stand out. Um you know, that was the first time I'd really been away from home. It was a, a very humbling experience, uh, trying to learn how to race on racetracks that were not like we have around here. Right. Uh, especially when we got into the slick stuff. You know, I didn't know how to chase the traction. We didn't know what to do to the cars. We were, you know, we kept tightening stuff up, and, you know, that's where we were missing the boat. We were already too tight when the track got slick, and we couldn't steer, but we didn't realize it. You know, I was just driving around the push, and you know, we finally figured that out. We started getting a little better. It was just a, it was a huge learning curve, because you know, Dad was out on the road. I wasn't racing with him, so I didn't have somebody to really lean on to get advice from on that kind of thing. We, uh, you know, me and Joey, we pretty much was just learning it on our own then. Yeah, I was wondering how that worked. So your dad was he? He was he not racing the '94 series that year? No, he didn't run the series that year. He was, uh, you know, doing uh, kind of an outlaw type schedule. He was driving for GVS then. And they just they went to big shows. That was yeah. it. Yeah, he uh, he won the dream that year in 1994. So he was he was on his money, and you know, whenever he won the dream, I I think I and we'll talk to Freddie, you know, on the show, but he. And I want to ask him about it too. But whenever they won the dream that night, you were out racing another race or something that night. Was if I got that right? Yeah, we were racing at Fayetteville that night. Um, I always stayed at the Lamb's house. Yeah. You know, when we were down that way after the race, and we had just gotten back there to their house that night after the race, getting ready to go to bed. And 
my mom called and she sounded hysterical and you know dad had that cast on his hand mm-hmm. and i thought oh lord something's done happened to him he's in the hospital his hands broke and fell off or, you know something i didn't know what to, what was going on and i said you know calm down what's happened what's wrong and she was like we won we won i was like well that's cool there <laughs> him standing in victory lane in that picture with the cast on his arm that's one of the coolest yep. pictures i've ever seen and yep. of course i want to ask him about it how he got the cast and all that but so yeah, so you were racing at Fayetteville, and Fayetteville became one of your favorite tracks. You've been down there more times than I can than I can count, hadn't you? <laughs> there was a time where it was probably my favorite track, just because it was so good to me. But uh, you know, we've we've lost some of the magic there the last few years. We really haven't had the luck that we had. But I mean, back then and up until you know probably 2009, 2010. If, we rolled in there we usually were going to be pretty competitive yeah you were dialing in you won a lucas oil race and a world of outlaw race during that period and of course it was a you know bigger track now what do you think about it since they've shortened it have you been back down there and really ran much i've only been there once and we uh broke a drive shaft just a few laps in so i really i really don't, don't have, really have a, an opinion on yeah, it yeah i haven't i haven't come to a, an opinion on it i haven't had a chance to go down there since they I, they hadn't really had any big races down there for worth me driving to yet so hopefully i'll get down there soon i'd like to check it out it looks neat i like how yeah, they shortened it it looks good um i'm just not sure the way that it's shaped if it made the racing any better that night i was there it just seemed really fast you know even though it was smaller it kind of seemed like it was going to be narrow grooved just because yeah, everybody could true. run flat out yeah true well let's see what what else we got here you uh so you're talking about the 90s there well i mean you got the race with i mean the who's who in that in those times so who are what are some memories you got of maybe going door to door you know at cherokee for a heat race win or some stuff like that 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 you can remember that just stands out uh, well i mean any, any really to go to that you back up to the 80s um you know because there when concord paved what i'm thinking maybe 86 or 87 off the top of my head whenever they paved we finished that latter half of the season running our dirt cars on asphalt then the next year i built an asphalt car and i switched and ran asphalt until i think 1990 maybe and then the economics got me and i had to go back to dirt <laughs> But, you know, back then, I mean, you know, a weekly show at Cherokee, you had, you know, C.L. Pritchett and Billy Scott and Buck Simmons. And, you know, sometimes my dad would drop in there. I mean, it, it was just a, a who's who of the South that would show up there on a weekly show. I mean, they paid decent money back then. We were running, I think, 25 laps for two grand to win back, you know, in the 80s. And there were some good shows every week. Oh, uh, yeah. It was definitely, it was good racing. I grew up, I mean, I was born in 91, so I missed that era. But I grew up going there. In the 90s, my dad would take me, and we, I don't think we knew how good we had it going there and seeing Ricky Weeks and Ricky was all them guys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, it was it was tough competition back then. It would, you know, probably had 18 or 20 cars on a weekly show, and of them 18 or 20, you probably had 12 that could win on a given night. I feel confident that we had the best cars in our backyard, and still do, really, to this day. Uh, at that time, though, for sure, we had the best of the best in the country. Yeah, and yeah. Every single Saturday night, every weekend, we we used to not even think about traveling to, to go watch a race at Eldora or stuff, or, you know, because it was it was here, uh, you know. But now it's if you want to go see a big race, you got to travel a little bit, and if you wanna, I feel like it, yeah, you know what I mean. Well, if you want to see passing, you got to go if you somewhere see else. Some passing, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like y'all ran it, y'all. So that's one of those. <laughs> well, we're gonna take a quick break here, and we'll come back on the other side. 
Kenny Wallace started the tradition, and we keep burning rubber, baby. Burning rubber radio goes behind the scenes of all your favorite divisions of racing, from NASCAR to ARCA, IRL to IMSA. If it's race, they talk about it. Join Andy, DeLay, and the crew weekly to find out on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, NASCAR Digital Media, and your favorite podcast platforms. They're going to have Dale Earnhardt Jr. on the show this week, so that's going to be one to not miss. Uh, go check that out for sure. And, of course, I'd like to thank Andy's Towing and R1 Facility Services, Longhorn Chassis, and Bill Stein Shocks for all the support. And we're here with Jeff Smith in the studio. We're talking about racing in the Carolinas, Jeff, before the break. <laughs> You've uh, you've made a career out of racing in the Carolinas. You were uh, you're, you're a former former Carolina class champion there in 2009, and uh, won a lot of races on that series. And of course, now you're racing Ultimate, more of a regional schedule. Um, what have what have you thought about some of those uh, some of those times racing? There's been a lot of happiness, and there's been a lot of sadness. It's uh, and a lot of frustration. Um, you know, we, we really struggle to have racetracks that are conducive to good racing around this area, and that's the frustrating part. Um, you know, we go to racetracks, and you walk up to the racetrack, and you know immediately that it's going to be one groove just because the way you can see that the banking's shaped. I don't understand what's so hard for some of these guys to get a crown out of a racetrack. Or I don't know if it's they don't want to or they don't know how to grade it to, put, to make the banking concave. Mm-hmm or they just don't care to put the time in, I don't have an answer. I know the answer to make the racing better, what they need to do. I've been enough racetracks all across the country, traveling with my dad and racing on my own to know what needs to be done there. But when you offer an opinion, you know, it seems like they all want to, you know, just shrug it off or not pay any attention or not listen or don't care. And, you know, it, it's frustrating when a lot of times the race is won to the first turn from where you fire. And I know the fans get tired of watching train races, but you've got a lot of that here in our region, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent with you. It's like they put a, it's like they've got to have a groove for their water truck to ride on or something. That's I had one promoter <laughs> I had spoke with about it, and I was like, you know, why don't you take that crown out? And he said, well, I've got it flatter up there so my water truck can ride around easier without <laughs> sliding off the bank. I said, yeah, but you just narrowed the racetrack up 30 feet. Now you've got a one-group track. Exactly. He said, well, i tell you what. He said, uh, why don't you go get some money and you come lease this place from me and you run it the way you want to. I said, hey, I, said, I wasn't trying to get on you. I'm just trying to offer you a suggestion to make it better for the racers and the fans. Yeah. I agree with you. It's hard to... Uh... It's hard to give much advice. They, nobody really wants to listen, and and yeah, that's a shame. I mean, you look at you're, so you're talking about banking, and you look at some place like Taswell, Tennessee. You've raced there, and uh, hell, that place is banked as, as well, it's not, 35 or 36 degrees, and they yeah. shoot the water from the infield up onto the track. That's it. You've got if you so they can't make the water roll truck. your water truck around there, then you need to get a pump to spray it. But yeah. it's not that the banking needs to be more; it's how it's shaped. Yeah, I agree. it needs to. Be progressive banking, not flat, unless you got a track that's going to build up a cushion. I think we know what track we're talking about there, but I'm, I don't think we need to name it. No, I mean, it's not just one. I'm not yeah, singling yeah. anybody out. There's a whole lot of them in well, the Carolinas yeah, that are yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so I guess we could just go on there and lease it if we wanted to, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it like we want to. We'll go in on that. We'll build our own track, Jeff. <laughs> you- <laughs> yeah, I ain't got deep enough pockets for that. <laughs> you guys have got a track there by your shop there, don't you? You've got a, a little go-kart track. Y'all have had a lot of fun there over the past couple of years, haven't you? We did for a little bit there, and it got to being too competitive, and 
and we've kind of cooled our heels on it. Yeah. And, you know, backed away from it. It was, you know, it started out with uh, my boys and some of their friends just to have a good time, you know, one weekday during the evening and, you know, just tried to lay some ground rules and, you know, kind of a gentleman's agreement, you know, don't do this, don't do that. You know, this is what we're going to do. And <clears throat> the competitiveness started coming out in them and they wanted to start cheating here and cheating there. And I didn't want it to be something that was going to cost them money because, you yeah. know, they're kids. Yeah, you know, they didn't need to be blowing their money on something to have fun with like that. A little bit, yeah, but not what they were starting to get into. And then some of them, you know, started getting mad with one another and, I just pulled them together. I said, hey, y'all were friends before we started doing this. I'm not going to let trying to have fun ruin your friendship. So we just, you know, we're going to stop it for a while. So, so you were a little track promoter right there and yeah, you had your taste yeah. of it. Oh, I enjoyed working the track. I would get off, uh, you know, get out of work and I'd go out there and get it watered up and scrape it a little bit with the tractor and the box scrape. And I'd get my side by side out there and roll it in. I'd played with the banking and stuff. I was I was always changing it just to try to make the racing better. And I had one in where it was pretty good. It was, they could do, uh, it wasn't a single groove go-kart track like what you normally see. No, the other end, I never did get it quite the way I wanted it. But we didn't have a one groove racetrack. I, I had some weird banking to it to make it where they could race there. I wanted to come out there. I never did get the invite. I really I really hate I missed that You didn't that deal. need an invite. All you had to do was <laughs> I never knew up. when it was going on. I was I would have loved to have come over there. And I think out. we were doing it on Thursday evenings about 6 or 6.30, just, uh, you know, when people yeah. had time to get off work and get there and... I mean, it got where we were filling the parking lot up there at the shop. People were coming to watch. and Selling popcorn, wasn't you? We, we thought about that one time. <laughs> um, I think we got 13 or 14 there a couple of weeks, just you know, just friends of Zach Nalston. And, yeah. Um, you know, they would invite a friend and come out, and it, it was fun there for a while. Yeah, now now they've took their equipment, and they went. a couple of them went to Millbridge and won a couple of races out there, too. Zach can... Uh, Zach and Austin. Yeah, yep. Zach and Austin. And, of course, Brandon Connard. I know he was a part of some of that. And, yep. man, they went over there and won a few races and won a couple won a couple dollars. Even even it's serious up there. He got thrown out or something the uh, other week, didn't he? That's been a tough go <laughs> up yeah. there, I'm telling you. We're newbies into that stuff. And, you know, he got thrown out on the first one. Zach won was fuel. And we, wasn't, we bought fuel at the QT. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they said, well, you need to buy it from the Circle K up here. That's where we get our gas. We do our gauging off of. And then they come back and said, well, did you have old gas in the gas tank? Zach said, yeah, it was left from January. They said, well, that's your problem. It changed the oxygen level in it. And, yeah. you know, we've got our parameters, rules, rule, and they tossed him in a minute. <laughs> That's something we didn't know. That was a hard lesson to learn. Yeah, I thought it was kind of silly. Kind of blackballed him a little bit for mm-hmm. what it is. It's just for fun. But anyway. But. Right. But yeah, your son, Zach, you know, I grew up, you know, watching him grow up, you know, playing with little Hot Wheels or dirt cars and stuff in the dirt. And now he's going to Victory Lane with Kevin Rumley and helping those guys a little bit. You got to be proud to see him doing yeah. some of that. Yeah, he's he's done a good job. He works down there with Wesley Page, helping him, you know, build cars and stuff for Wesley's customers. And, you know, we work on our stuff and he goes with me when we're racing and, uh Kevin's been getting him to go with him and help him at the track when they do run their car with Larson. That's been a, a good experience for Zach and, you know, being around a, another group of people and, you know, things he can learn from Kevin, you know, because Kevin's got a complete different skill set than I've got. And, you know, he's, I mean, he's very, very smart on this stuff with his yeah. engineering background and all. So, I mean, it's been good for Zach, good learning experience and a, just a good experience all around. 
Yeah, for sure. So you've got a Longhorn chassis now and Bill Stein shock. So I'm sure Zach's got his notebook with him or his mental notes. And he's <laughs> maybe going over there. And, uh, maybe, maybe your program will be able to pick up a little bit off of what he's learning there. Well, I don't know. Kevin's, um, his car is kind of like an R&D car. Yeah. So this, everything that would apply on his wouldn't apply on mine. They're just, he's trying to make stuff better for Longhorn down the, you know, in the future. Yeah. They definitely got some, got some nice stuff over they there do. for sure. Yep. And you've driven all kinds of different chassis over the years, of course. But uh, but you like this Longhorn since you've got with them? Yeah, yeah. It's been a good race car. I, you know, when uh, when we opened up back at the end of '94, we opened up with GRT cars, and I ran those for years. And uh, then we had a a Warrior, and we did a Bob Pierce car there one time when I was driving for Mark Mincer. But the Rocket stuff was my bread and butter for a long time. We had a lot of success in those cars, Mark and. Steve Baker, they were good to me, and, you know, they had good race cars, and we had a lot of success with them. I got you. Uh, so your car number's always been number 70. A couple of years ago, you were you were 18M. That's when I drove for Mark Messer. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering why that really was, just because of that was his number. Yep, yep. And uh-huh. then and then now you're you're in a double zero, right? Or no, you're back to the 70. we're back to 70. So I, when Dad retired, I ran double zero for, I don't know, maybe four seasons. Yeah, five. that seems right. Ran it for a few years there, just... As a you tribute. Know, as, yeah, to honor him. Couldn't do what he did with it. Didn't expect <laughs> to, but, you know, yeah. it was just cool to be able to put Dad's number on the side of our car. And, and, you know, we decided we'd go back to our number. And, you know, and unless a situation arises where I'm driving somebody else's stuff, I'll keep 70 on it until I hang up my helmet. Well, I think it's good that you're in 70. That's identifiable with you. And, you know, it's always been your number. Well, it was his number originally, and he and he changed it to double zero. Yep. We're going to ask him about that when we have him on. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that's, it's identifiable with you and it's good to see you back driving that car number. I just yeah, wanted to say it, that. It was, it was cool to put it back on yeah. the side of the car after not having it for a little while. Absolutely. Well, what's, uh, what, what's some of your big races coming up? I guess you, you've got, uh, Livonia this weekend in Sonoya. What's beyond mm. that? Um, we get through the weekend. Okay. Then we'll do, uh, my grandfather's memorial race at Cherokee. I don't know, I believe it's the 8th. Yeah, the 8th, Thursday, yeah. yeah. And then I think we've got another race uh, next Saturday at Lancaster. I'm not good on keeping up with my schedule. I'm kind of a week-to-week guy looking <laughs> yeah. to see where I'm going to be the following week. Um, but you're following we, that Ultimate Tour, basically. The Ultimate and the Clash right now. Gotcha. Uh, we're not a com- uh, We're leading the Clash, and we're five points out of the lead in the Ultimate. Well, you've got a good chance to win them both, hopefully. Well, I mean, that would be nice if we could. It's yeah. uh, not going to be a cakewalk by any means. It's tough competition on no doubt. both those series. Uh, you know, like what you were saying a while ago, even still, we've our regional guys are pretty tough to race against. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been on a cakewalk, but I, I, I guess it's pretty easy. I've heard <laughs> I don't that. think I've been on it. <laughs> I've or, always heard that Or cherry picking. Yeah. I never did find any cherries uh-uh. to pick on <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jeff, one of your hobbies, you know, you like going to West Virginia and riding those side-by-sides and all that stuff, and uh, that's that's one of my hobbies, too, and i got to get up there and do that with y'all sometime. How, how much fun do you have? Every time I see a picture of you, you got a big old smile on your face. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. We kind of got started in that. My wife had surprised me for my 50th birthday, and she had, there was a place that was renting side-by-sides over right outside of Bessemer City, and she had rented one. I came home from work one day, and this thing's sitting out there on a trailer in the driveway, and I'm like, what's that? And she's like, I got your bags packed. We're headed to Tennessee. I was like, for what? She said, we're going riding. I said, I got to work. She's like, no, I didn't talk to your boss. It's all handled. 
because I was working doing some airplane work at the time. Right. And uh, she said, I've got everything handled. Your bag's packed. We're going. And it was with some friends of ours that are involved. The crowd we go with, just about everybody is involved in racing. So, you know, it's it's around my kind of people. And we went up to a place in Tennessee um, and rode. And we were on the way home. And I told her, I said, I know now when I quit driving what I'm going to be able to do to keep my adrenaline rush going. Yeah. It's, it's not as much as racing. Don't get me wrong. But it'll suffice. It'll be It'll be all right to fill in. We we have a good time with it. I love going up there and riding too. I got to get in and try to go with y'all sometime. But I just got a four wheeler. Y'all are on the side by sides, but but that's all I really need. I can throw it right up in the back of my truck and haul yeah. it. You know, head it up there and man, we have a good time when we go. We ride up there with uh, Mike Messer and them, and you know, we ride we, hard. Yeah. We we go a pretty good. Oh, we do we too. probably go we probably go quicker than we should on some of them trails, but. <laughs> We like to have fun with it. Yeah, we do too. We uh, we go pretty good on them. Uh, you know, mine's a 450 Yamaha, and then Messer's got a 1,000 Can-Am, so I can't keep up with him just because right. of the shock package and the motor that's on it. But I do the best I can. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to get me one of them big boys. There you go. We'll send it down through the woods. But, but yeah, we got to go uh, do that sometime for sure. So, Jeff, this weekend, you you know, you like Livonia and then, of course, Sonoya. Sonoya, that won't be, I don't think that'll be no one-groove track. You, no. You know, I've only I, been there one time, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I might not enjoy it this time. We, yeah. We were decent there. It's a real slick place, and you can move around and uh, just find a place that's good for your race car and your driving style, and you can usually have a decent finish. Clint, Cat, Daddy Smith, and... And the Pollards and all those guys, they should have that place dialed in pretty good. This will be a pretty good race for, for them since they've took it over and look forward to seeing that. Uh, Jeff, we'll uh, give you a chance to thank your sponsors here and we'll uh, we'll close this segment out. Oh, goodness, I should have brought a list. That's, <laughs> I don't even have it. I, I cheat when I'm at the racetrack when I get interviewed because I look at the side of the car. Uh, we've got Smoking Mountain Boys Barbecue. We've got Langley Collision. Um superior pools uh i'm looking it up for you oh are you there you go (laughs) you can read it off there no you read it there they are there you go all right um you know thomas clark clark's flooring um dirt wrap kaiser manufacturing longhorn wesley page wp racing shocks fk rod ends um just and then there's product sponsors. I mean, you know, I hate to take up a lot of time. Everybody that's involved in our race car, I'm not going to short anybody at all. But if it wasn't for every decal on that race car, we couldn't do what we do. Oh, absolutely! It takes all. It takes all of them to do it, man. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, coming up on next week's episode, part two of this conversation with Jeff Smith and Freddie Smith is going to join us. This has been another edition of the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. 